VoiceTube Studio presents a refreshing, fun, and informative podcast. Come with us to learn English and explore culture. Join Steve and Winnie on Ride the Vibes. Hey everyone, welcome back to Ride the Vibes. This is your host Steve, and this is your host Winnie. And this week we have a pretty special episode. We're going to be talking about kind of migrating to the U.S. and a lot of the challenges with migrating, going to school, and some of the problems you will face. And here to talk about it, we have a special guest who has experienced all of this before and lived in the U.S.、Uh, as well as Taiwan. So I want to introduce our special guest today, Eric. Let's welcome Eric. Hello, everyone.、Um, should I give the self introduction or something? Yeah, you can yeah, introduce yeah. Your, <laughs> a yourself a little bit. So my name is Eric.、Uh, I actually immigrated to the U.S. when I was about, I think, nine years old, and this was back in 1989s when、Ooh. there were still dinosaurs <laughs> under.、Um, and I lived in the U.S. until I was about 23, 24.、Mm-hmm. Then I came to Taiwan and I lived here for another decade or so before、mm-hmm. moving back to the U.S. So I've been back and forth over the years and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what do you? What is your job, or what do you do when you're when you were in the states? What did you do? Uh, well, the for the past two or three years, I was teaching at USC,、mm-hmm. uh, but also studying there for my for my second masters.、Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, yeah, I, I I've been around students all my life. I've been a teacher, a curriculum writer,、uh, mm-hmm. lecturer, and an educational consultant for about fifteen years. So,、mm-hmm. basically, all aspects of education. Yeah, and you've been helping VoiceTube since the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah.、Um, I think I found Johnny and Richard,、uh, the, the founders and co-founder of VoiceTube, around. I think this was in nineteen. Oh my god! <laughs> we're, we're going back in time. Sorry, I think、uh, Back to the Future.、Um, I, I think this is what, like two thousand fourteen or fifteen. I think that's、mm-hmm. roughly the time. When VoiceTube was founded, so I volunteered as an education consultant back、mm-hmm. when they were just starting. Yes,、yeah, so、he really helped us out a lot. All right, so today we are here to share、uh, his experiences, and also because I'm also an immigrant, as I immig- immigrated to Canada twenty、uh, years ago. Yes, twenty years ago, some somewhere from that time. So we kind of share some common experiences, me and Eric. So today we're going to be talking about that. Yeah, I mean that sounds very interesting. So if you're someone who's looking to try to move or study or work in a different country, I think this will be a very beneficial conversation for you to listen to. So I think with that said, we can start on the very first topic, which is moving to a new country.、Um, Eric, I think you have a pretty unique、um, experience、uh, moving to the U.S., especially with the time period when you moved there. So do you want to tell the listeners kind of about your experience with moving to the states? Yeah, I think my perspective is probably a little different than most students today because most students who study or travel abroad, they're in their you know early twenties or maybe eighteen or nineteen years old around that age after they at least completed high school. But I actually immigrated when I was about nine, so it was a completely new experience because when you you're you're just a kid. Um, some people say it's easier to learn English,、mm-hmm. but it's also a little more difficult to fit in、mm-hmm. because kids don't really know how to control their emotions, right? So、mm-hmm. they, if if you live in an area where there are not too many Taiwanese Americans or just Asian Americans, then、mm-hmm. sometimes it's a bit hard to fit in. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I first moved there, I was about seven. Uh, it did took me some time to kind of sort of adapt my life over there. But the good thing is when I moved there, I was in Vancouver, Richmond, uh, Richmond, Vancouver. So there's like more Asians there. So uh, first couple of years was easier for me. Like back in the early 90s, uh, I was I, I was in California. So California is a pretty diverse state already. Mm -hmm. But in the town where I lived, there were like two Asians in the entire elementary school. Oh, my God. And, and I was one of them. <laughs> and on the first day, um, the teacher, they didn't really have too much experience with, uh, you know, international students back mm -hmm. in the days. Mm -hmm. So they, they assigned me this uh, Vietnamese American student as my guide. They thought like he yeah, thought he, he, he would know my language <laughs> because he was Asian, mm -hmm. uh, or he is Asian. <laughs> but and and when they introduced me to him, they're like, "Do you guys speak the same language?" I'm like, "No, he's from Vietnam. I'm from Taiwan." Yeah, I actually had the same experience. Uh, you know, when I was first in Canada, the first couple of months, I had no idea what the teachers are saying, and we we have a lot of uh, people from Hong Kong were from China at that time, and they speak Cantonese. So one of the teachers, uh, he, she just asked this, um, you know, this kid from Hong Kong to explain something <laughs> to me. So the whole process was like he was speaking Cantonese, and then in the end he was like, So I was like, So I was like, okay, yeah, I understand, but I had no idea what she was saying. So yeah, they, they kind of had um, a little bit of trouble you know, like telling the differences. At, at least you got uh, the opportunity to learn Cantonese. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I guess did. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually picked up a few words, uh, Vietnamese and also some Spanish, because the largest demographics at, at the school were uh, Hispanic. So I, I think we had about uh, 50 or 60 percent Caucasian and maybe 30 percent uh, Hispanic, and the rest made up the, the remaining five to ten percent mm -hmm. did I get that math does the math right <laughs> I mean it sounds about right yeah. to me because I remember I looked at the the breakdown of this the uh, ethnicities in the US and I was surprised that there were only uh, only about six percent of the population is Asian mm -hmm. it's it's quite small in mm -hmm. California I think it's a little larger about ten percent but mm -hmm. uh, domestically I, I think we're about like five six percent so, I mean, for you, like, growing up, like, what were the biggest challenges outside of dealing with school uh, as far as living in the States? I think just fitting in. Um, in the beginning, it was definitely fitting in because of the language barrier. I, I didn't understand anything. And I went through the silent period where you actually understand what they say, but you, you can't really speak. So mm -hmm. I, th I think that lasted a few months, and eventually you start to pick up words. Yeah. And I just remember one day, just started. I just started speaking. I said, "Oh, mm -hmm. thanks a lot." And you're like, "Teacher, he speaks English." <laughs> <laughs> I can still remember that today. And and I, I'm like, "Of course, I understand." I just didn't speak until today. Yeah, I think we we had the we had pretty similar experiences because, like I said, when I first moved there, the first couple of months I couldn't speak, and probably worse than you because I in in the beginning I actually couldn't really understand what they were saying and then one day I just started speaking and then I, I remember my teacher told my mom uh, she said Winnie was like a flower mm -hmm. she just blossomed it just happened one day mm -hmm. it's not like intentional or something you just start to speak yeah but I actually know a couple of uh, well my old friends in Canada 
Uh, actually, just like you, I, I was coming back and forth, back and forth. And uh, when I first got back here and then I moved back to Canada again, I actually met the same friend and turns out he still couldn't speak English. Yeah, it depends on, on the individual. There's a lot mm-hmm. of variable factors. But many students always ask me, like, what's the fastest way to learn how to speak English? Mm-hmm. Well, you, if you have a need that mm-hmm. you, you desperately mm-hmm. need to speak English to, you know, get food <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or move Essential around. needs survival. <laughs> yeah, then, then I think you will start to speak English right away. I mean, you have to communicate just to survive, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good incentive to start speaking English. Yeah, that is true. And actually, my sister can prove that point. Uh, my sister, she was born in Canada. I was born in Taiwan. So it's kind of like the opposite. She has Canadian citizenship. I don't. I only have uh, this PR card, but it's expired. But that's another story. Uh, my, my sister actually grew up in Taiwan, so she couldn't really speak English. But last year, she went back to Canada, and uh, she went to Newfoundland. You can't really find any Asians there. So, like, she improved so much in just six months. So, yeah, if you really want to speak uh, speak good English or in a very short time, just put yourself in that environment. I mean, I think that's the whole idea of immersion, right? You basically, you're not allowed to speak your mother tongue, or you're just trying to limit it as much as possible. Like, there's just so much input in the second language you're trying to learn that you're sort of forced to speak it. Mm. Yeah, they're adopting multiple approach now because, you know, different learners have different needs. So if you start out, like, in the fourth and fifth grade, Mm -hmm. and if you just put them in a completely uh, English environment, then they're not Mm going to be able to do any higher order thinking, essentially, because they they only know basic words at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in the fourth grade, you're expected to read a ton. Mm-hmm. So if you can't catch up right away, then you'll probably be left behind. Mm-hmm. So so that's why, at least in California, they're adopting different approaches to different learners. Mm-hmm. Like ESL, right? And you have all these uh, bilingual programs as well. Different states and even different schools have different programs. Yeah, so that definitely helps. Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. And I remember it from my own experience Um, growing up as a Caucasian American in a small state that's predominantly white, uh, we definitely had students who were immigrants. We had African Americans, and they were actually the majority. But we actually did have some Hispanic students and some Asian students as well. Um, I think we were open-minded. You know, I had had Asian friends. I had a black friend growing up. Um, Admittedly, I don't think I had any Hispanic friends because there just weren't too many uh, students. But I think the biggest problem that I had with communicating with some groups that were not um, necessarily Caucasian were basically like the Somalian immigrants. They had kind of cliques. They had their own groups. And it just felt like they were kind of different than us. You know, they spoke Somalian. I couldn't understand. You know, none of us knew any Somalian whatsoever. We couldn't even say hello Mm -hmm. in that language. So it just posed a massive challenge to actually communicate with this group. And I imagine they probably felt the same way mm. uh, I did. Just they were like, well, you know, I can speak some English, but, you know, why why would I speak to that, you know, that white kid over there when I can just speak to my Somalian friends in Somalian? So, Yeah, you have a great point. And I think that's definitely the problem that most international students face when they move to a different country. It's just so intimidating, and you, you tend to congregate with people who share your home language and mm-hmm. also your culture because it's just so much easier to do so, right? I mean, just understanding all the idioms and the slangs, 
And it's difficult to be humorous or even like outgoing in in another language mm-hmm. to socialize in another language. So they tend to congregate in in their own groups. And before in the U.S., we we say the U.S. is a global melting pot mm-hmm. where where all the races, uh, people of different eth- ethnicities and religions and beliefs they melt together as one. But mm-hmm. I think the analogy that they're using now is it's more like a salad bowl. Mm-hmm. So everyone. Is different. We can't really ignore the the differences. You you have your tomato, you have your lettuce, you have your crouton, but everyone exists in this environment and in, in this bowl, and we function and collaborate as one. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's 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 the new analogy that they're adopting. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's a little bit less rigid than the old idea that you're just going to make everyone conform to one standard. It's just it's impossible. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, um, when I when I was little. It, Like the only ESL education they had was, they threw you in a room and you play games in English because they they didn't want to challenge you and they want you to pick up mm-hmm. English. So yeah. I I think I spent like two three years in elementary school playing uh shoots and ladders. Yeah, that, well that's uh, that's the same for me too. I was pretty much the same. So I guess you're not from that you know that old of a time. So so in the nineties they didn't really have. So-called ESL education or mm-hmm. bilingual education, they had. We're gonna play shoots and ladders today yeah. <laughs> in English. Yeah, I remember that. I was playing games, and then they they put you in different levels. And I remember I was staying in the same level for two years or something before I can finally move on to the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So kind of the same. Yeah, so I, I think the the education system is just trying to meet diverse needs because they yeah. have immigrants from. Everywhere, at least in Los Angeles, right?、Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's difficult for them, but I think overall it's functioning quite well. I mean, when I was back in the states、uh, a few years ago, everyone got along perfectly.、Mm-hmm. But this this was in Los Angeles, right? Los Angeles is pretty diverse.、Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm just curious,、um, kind of more of the negative side here. Like, did you experience racism or any kind of like xenophobia、uh, during your time in the states? I think when I was a kid, because People can't really hold their emotions in check when they're kids, so they just let out anything that's on their mind, right? And some of these、uh, stereotypes、mm-hmm. uh, might be passed on from their parents or from television.、Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of passing remarks, and you do experience some acute racism.、Mm-hmm. But I think the reason why it's so focused is because even though they only account for a tiny percentage. Of、uh, of the encounters that、mm-hmm. you know you'll face in the U.S., you really remember these encounters, right? Because it's not something you expect. Like I, yeah, I, I experienced some really acute racism before. I I had kids call me all sorts of names. Am I am I allowed to talk about these names here?、Uh, I think you can. <laughs> you I think can. the context is yeah. okay. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think if they want to read about it, they can. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's、uh, that's the maybe maybe you can tell us a few. <laughs> Just few that are like you know level one type of racist. Well, I think most are、thingies. just passing casual remarks like you're a kung fu master, or <laughs> you're you're a whiz in math. I mean, it's funny the the first few times <laughs>、yeah. it gets、yeah. it gets on your nerve after like the the hundred times, and even like when I was back in California, like 
I would hop on the Uber and they would say, "Hey, I like Chinese food." I'm like, "What the heck? <laughs> What does that have to do with me?" <laughs> yeah, and and they would talk to me about Chinese food, how they have Asian friends, and they're they're just being nice, right? They're trying、yeah. to make conversation,、yeah. so I don't really hold it against them or anything. So, I think these are most of the 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 so-called racism that you encounter. I I, I think it's just people trying to be friendly, stemming、yeah. from ignorance, I guess, probably. Yeah, yeah, because、yeah, yeah. they they didn't really know, didn't really understand, because it was from a long time ago. But if 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 it's now, it probably wouldn't happen anymore. I think if you want to reduce racism and prejudice, then you have to be really active and help them understand, and、mm-hmm. that's the key to solving everything, right?、Mm-hmm. Understanding.、Education. But yeah, I, I I definitely don't blame them. It just comes from ignorance.、Um, but you you do occasionally experience、uh, racism, especially with the reason.、Uh, Coronavirus outbreak.、Oh, yeah, 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 I was yeah. just gonna talk about that one. Yeah, yeah you, you hear lots of reports on the news, right? Talking about、uh, racism, Asian Americans experience, and it, it really makes me sad because I think we made so much progress as a society,、mm-hmm. and now we're seeing、uh, all this progress erased, and we're taking a step back.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not even just the U.S. either. I heard a lot of it in Europe, especially France. I've heard quite a few stories about that. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with Eric on this because it seems like,、um, like I said, we made so much progress, and then all it took was one—I don't want to say small pandemics; it's a huge pandemic—but it just took one crisis just to basically release this from under the surface, and it wasn't、mm-hmm. buried very deep.、Um, but I think Eric has some really good advice for students who might be going to the U.S. as high school or most more than likely、uh, university students.、Mm-hmm. So. Eric, do you have any good advice or tips or tricks for these students that might be moving to the U.S. or even a different country to study abroad or live abroad? So I think students、uh, moving to the U.S. they should really be active and challenging、um, themselves, and not just stick to their comfort zone.、Mm-hmm. Um, they should really join school clubs, join community events, and if they want to change perception and reduce prejudice, then they have to make an active effort. Right? You can't just expect. Uh, everything to go your way. Yeah, I actually agree with that. So、um, I actually do have an example here, but it's me in Taiwan though. So when I was still in college,、uh, you guys know that I've been I, I, I've been living in Taiwan for more than fifteen years now. I moved back when I was twelve, and in order to to you know to keep my English speaking ability, you know,、uh, I have to join、uh, different clubs. I have to make myself you know step out of that comfort zone. So I joined different clubs. Uh, like Model United Nations, I actually have more、uh, opportunity to engage with foreigners,、uh, you know, with public speaking. And the official language with Model United Nations is English, so I I I think that helped me a lot. And I actually,、um, you know, hang out with friends a lot. Sometimes you feel afraid.、Um, sometimes you feel like, oh, if I if I go go to these.、Um, You know, occasions. If I go to these bars and stuff, you don't, you don't, you can't really communicate with other people. But I do want to say, I'm not encouraging people to drink. After a few drinks,、uh, there's nothing to worry about, and people are generally nice. <laughs> people are generally nice. So if you put yourself out there, you get to practice. That really helps. Yeah, I, I would tell them to join school clubs.、Uh, that's a great way to meet people,、mm-hmm. especially like a dance club or something. Mm-hmm, uh, not、clubs. a nightclub. I mean, like a, <laughs> like a school dance club or something, like a hip hop dance or a ballroom dance. They get to know other people. 
Uh-huh. Imagine some listeners are like, oh, they're telling me I should go drink and socialize. Crap. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there is a video on, on our website about how, you know, drinking can actually help you speak another language better. Well, I will say, I mean, when I used to live in Korea, I did my fair share of drinking and I studied <laughs> a lot of Korean. I mean, I studied every day. Um, when I hung out with Korean friends, especially when we went to like a soju or a makgeolli, which are two Korean um, alcoholic beverages, mm-hmm. when you go to like a soju bar with a bunch of Korean friends and they're only speaking Korean, it does make it a little bit easier just to jump in the conversation sometimes mm-hmm. after one or two drinks. Now, I'm not saying get smashed because that's not going to help you. <laughs> but, you know, if you have a chance maybe to get one or two drinks with a couple friends, it might actually give you it might help you open up a little bit. Yeah. So these social events can really help you if you want to you know, learn a language better or adapt to the life or culture to uh, whatever country you're you're planning to move or planning to study at. But, um, Eric, before we end this episode, I actually want to ask um, ask uh-huh. you to share some ad- advice for uh, students who are uh, looking to study abroad. Well, or like, in I, USA. like I said before, I, I think they really need to step out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. We have many Taiwanese students or international students who come to the U.S. and they tend to stick to their own social groups mm-hmm. because of the language barrier and all the things that we mentioned before. But if you just stick to these social circles, and I'm not saying that's not okay, uh, you really miss out on the opportunity to explore Mm -hmm. new things. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the point of studying abroad if you're just going to go to another country and then uh, speak Taiwanese, eat Taiwanese food, Mm -hmm. make Taiwanese friends? And then come back to Taiwan. <laughs> Might as well just study in Taiwan and save yourself like millions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, millions of NT dollars. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I think you you should make the most out of your time abroad, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're studying in the UK. There's an opportunity to go to like every country in Europe. Mm-hmm. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take advantage of this situation when you're young, it's a lot harder to do these things when you're in your 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally want to second that because I want to tell everyone, if you move to a different country, don't let yourself become jaded. Uh, Winnie, do you want to talk about jaded in Chinese for the listeners, maybe? That might be a new word for them. So jaded in Chinese is kind of like it's a type of cynicism. So that's not that's not really a good attitude, uh, you know, if you're moving to a different country. Right. And so, I mean, I've met so many expats that have become so jaded with the countries they live in that are just like, oh, I live in Taiwan still. Like, oh, why am I here? And then then you kind of have to ask the question, like, why are you here? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> don't let yourself become jaded when you go to a different country. And I think one of the best ways you can do that is to travel. Mm. Go Go check out that country. I've been to so many places in Taiwan. And whenever I feel really bored of Taipei, which does happen because I'm not really a big city person, mm-hmm. I try to get into nature. I try to see a new hot spring, climb a new mountain, or just go to some smaller city that I've never been to. So mm-hmm. I think that's really key to enjoying and maximizing your experience abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now with the modern day technology, you can easily look up all the places that you want to go to or the interesting history his historical facts mm-hmm. or like uh, you know the different places that you want to visit and I think that definitely helps the more you understand uh, a country or like an area the more you learn about it and the more you're gonna be interested about that area it really helps with you um, you know adapting to the to the life there so Eric fun question for you when you moved to the States did you do a lot of traveling well, not really, because I, I guess the U.S. is so big. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you mean traveling domestically, sure. But um, 
I, I guess when I was younger, uh, traveling wasn't really an option because it was so expensive to travel outside is, the U.S. Yeah. And, and that's why you should really take advantage. It would be a lot harder to travel to parts of Europe from your home country mm-hmm. uh, than if you were studying in the U.K. So you should definitely take advantage of the situation. Yeah, definitely do that. But even in the States, I mean, there's so much to see, like mm. just within the States. There's so much I haven't seen. So what was your favorite part of, well, what's your favorite part of the country? I'm just curious. Well, I'm, I'm more of a, a city guy, I guess. So uh, I do like metropolises. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think in Los Angeles, you, you, you get the best of multiple worlds. You have a large immigrant community. So you can go to like little Tokyo or Koreatown or um, just go down to San Diego or even to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So it's a really convenient place to live in. I really like the, the diverse atmosphere. So in terms of traveling, I, I do like to come back to Taiwan uh, or Canada or Japan or Los Angeles. But if I were to pick a place for a vacation for a short time, well, I think my favorite city probably has to be Los Angeles because I, I grew up there. Uh, many people say it's unsafe. Mm-hmm. And we do have a homeless problem. We have <laughs> many problems. Yeah. Um, but we have a very diverse community. And for the most part, people are open-minded. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just felt so good going back to the States this time and mm-hmm. seeing everybody work together despite their differences. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they come from different parts of the world. Maybe they have different beliefs. But we can all collaborate for mutual success. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, for, for a teacher, it's very rewarding to see. Mm-hmm. How about you, Winnie? Me? Uh, I would say if if I were to travel. I actually didn't do a lot of traveling when I was a kid in Canada. But uh, last year, I uh, revisited Canada, you know, for the first time in 10, 15 years. Yeah, probably 15 years. And uh, before I was younger, I used to live in Vancouver. So um, all the memories I had was just we were traveling in nature parks and stuff. But I'm not exactly like an outdoor person. I'm more of a city, city girl. Just a small town girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I really loved Toronto. I love how dyna- dynamic it is. I love, um, you know, how artistic it is, and it really gave me a lot of um, different um, inspiration last time I visited. So, yeah, I I still want to encourage all of you, you know, if you have time, if you have the opportunity, just travel. Just travel all around. Anywhere you go, you can learn something. Yeah, and I just want to finish that by saying, like, what Eric said, travel is expensive. It's definitely expensive, so don't feel guilty if you can't travel everywhere or anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have to make choices in where we travel. Sometimes you can take some awesome local trips. You don't necessarily need to go to a different country or across the country. Sometimes there's some really awesome local stuff mm-hmm. uh, when, you, when you're stuck with a budget. Like, if you're a student in university, um, if you're anything like me, you probably don't have a lot of money to spend, so your trips will be kind of limited, but you can take some cool local trips to some cultural areas or museums or some other cities around you mm-hmm. or the beach or pretty much anywhere and just try to find some appreciation in your surroundings. Well, Eric, you have a you have your own kind of program or class, I should say class. You have your own class here with um, VoiceTube. And I mean, I think that the listeners, they might be interested. Can you tell us a little more about what you're doing with the V-Class program with VoiceTube? Well, I think in Taiwan, students don't really have the opportunity to learn academic English. I mean, we have a lot of conversational courses, mm-hmm. uh, but nothing that really targets content-based instruction. So essentially, I teach all the academic subjects in English, like physics, biology, geology, and I provide students with a tier two and tier three 
academic vocabulary words they need to succeed in university or professional domains. Very cool. Yeah, that's definitely very niche, but I think it's a really awesome thing to do. So you are clearly very, very intelligent. Um, my, my wife didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife would definitely disagree with you on that. Well, the well, wife is always right. I find common sense and intelligence don't always go hand in hand sometimes either. <laughs> all right, so that's about all the time we have. Before we go, Eric, is there anything you want to add? I think uh, students can keep an open mind and embrace new things. If you guys want to reach me or read more about these uh, topics I discuss, feel free to check out my Facebook page, Eric's English Lounge. So I'll see you guys around. So everybody go follow him now. And then um, right now we have blogs regarding every episode we do, right? So Steve, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, I write weekly English blogs on the VoiceTube blog page. And now all the episodes are basically going, sorry, all the blogs are going to mirror a podcast episode. So if you want to find out more about any of the topics we talk about in the podcast, or if you want to see it in written form, then go check out the weekly blogs because I'm going to be writing them based on the stuff we talk about in the podcast and trying to give you more information on stuff we couldn't cover in the episode. 没错，所以你想要更多延伸阅读的话 ，Steve 这边有写部落格。然后你想要学习更多比较呃学术性的一些单字或是知识的话，也可以去追踪我们的 Eric 老师 ，Eric's English Lounge。Yep，Eric's、right. English Lounge on Facebook. All right, that's all the time we have today. We'll see you guys next time. All right, take care, guys, and thanks, Eric, for coming on the show. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ride the Vibes. We're glad you enjoyed the episode. We want to take our show around the world to reach new listeners. It would be totally awesome if you would like, share, and subscribe. You can now find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Wherever you are, we'll be there waiting. We're also now on Instagram. Find us at rtvibesbt, and definitely get in contact with us if there's anything you want us to talk about in the future. See you next time, and once again, thanks for listening.